Praise the Lord. Thank you, worship team. Praise the Lord. I'm going to keep my coat on. <laughs> it's all right with you. It's a little chilly in here this morning. We got in this morning and the boiler was not on. They turned it off during the Christmas break for the kids here at the elementary school. And it uh, means it's not primed and ready for us. We contacted the maintenance department, our marvelous custodian, Jerry came, and he tried to get the boiler to boot, and it wouldn't boot. And uh, finally, just at the last moment, it actually booted on, but there needs to be a certain level of pressure built up before it will actually kick on the proverbial heater right over my left shoulder. And uh, so you are experiencing some coolness right now. So uh, I'm going to keep my coat on. Well, I want to invite you uh, to turn in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 5. And while you're turning into Exodus chapter 5, a couple of quick notes. Number one would remind you that we are Facebook Live. We would invite you even now if you would go to your social media, Facebook, and like, or go to our Hillside page, like, and then share to your page so that others will also be able to see uh, this morning's service. That would be marvelous. Inside your worship folder, you will also note that this year, 2018, we will begin with a week of prayer. And so we want to invite you to be a part of our week of prayer. It says there's a Monday night prayer meeting. I want you to know that is a typo. It is actually Tuesday night at the Promise Center from uh, 7 to 8.30. We're going to just have a time of prayer. So we would invite you to come out and be a part of that time in prayer. Then on Thursday night, we will do that again from 7 to 8.30 at the Promise Center. And then on Sunday night right here, from six to seven, we'll have one hour of prayer. And so I want to encourage you. And interestingly enough, it seems like when there's prayer meetings, that's when the fewest folks come. And I just want you to know that the driving force, the strength of a church is in the prayer and the seeking of the Lord together. And so we want to invite you to come out in number, come out in strength, come out in faith, and let's believe God. Let's believe God for the impossible. Can I get an amen? Amen. God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we ask or imagine. And with man, many things are impossible, but with God... All things are possible. Say that with me. With God, all things are possible. Praise the Lord. Well, last Sunday we had a little weather scenario. Many of you had plans to make it to church, and many of you did make it, but others opted for a safer environment and hung out at home, and we had to cancel, unfortunately, our candlelight service that was scheduled for 5 p.m. on Christmas Eve. So if you were planning on coming out for that and you were disappointed just as we were, hey, we'll just have to double up for next year. Can I get an amen? 
Amen. Uh, I used last Sunday kind of as a launch pad Exodus chapter 5, and it was really chapter 3, chapter 4, and chapter 5. And I will, I will tell you that in my heart, I was kind of thinking, well, we're going to be moving forward to Exodus chapter 6, but I couldn't, I couldn't go beyond. I feel like we really need to read the entirety of chapter 5 together to grasp. And so by way of reminder... God has called Moses to be, quote unquote, the deliverer. The time has come for the children of Israel to be delivered. They've been in bondage now some 400 years. It is now in the fourth generation, and it is God's timing in that God had spoken and prophesied to Abram and told Abram that his people, his seed, would be in bondage, and they would be in bondage to another king in another land, but they would not remain there. For 400 years they would be in bondage, but in the fourth generation he would come and deliver the people and they would return again to the promised land. And so the time has come and God has called Moses and you know that Moses came up with just about every excuse in the book while he was not qualified and while he should not be the guy. And God said, no, you are the guy. Finally, he said, hey, I can't speak very well. Why don't you have my, my relative, my brother, Aaron, be the spokesperson for me? And uh, so God, in his relent, if you will, he says, fine, Aaron will be the spokesperson, but you will be like me to him and he will be like you to them. And so there are Moses in chapter 4 returns to the children of Egypt or to the children of Israel and he reveals those things that God had shown him to say when he said, "Hey, what if they don't believe me?" God says, "Well, you do this. You take your staff which is in your hand, cast it on the ground, and God caused it to become a snake. He grabbed it once again from the tail and it became a staff again. Then he took his hand and stuck it in his chest, pulled it out. It was leprous." put it back in, and it was no longer leprous, up to and including the water becoming blood. And the children of Israel believed. And they said, God has visited us, and he has come to deliver. And they bowed their hearts and their heads, and they worshiped the Lord. And so, it's here also that in, if you look at verse 21, it says, And the Lord said to Moses, When you go back to Egypt, see that you do all these wonders before Pharaoh, which I have put in your hand, but I will harden his heart so that he will not let the people go. I'd like to, as we will in just a moment read chapter 5, I'm going to challenge you and encourage you on the onset or from the onset. Today, the title of the message is Breaking the Mold. Breaking the Mold. That might bring pictures into your mind, a variety of different kinds of ideas. What I would like us to do in some way is seek to break the mold of our normalcy of thinking and our normalcy of living. That normal place in our day in and day out kind of living and our day in and day out kind of navigating of life 
and faith and all of the things that occur in our workaday world or our 24 hours, seven days a week, 365 days a year. How to think different. How to think more kingdom-minded. Kingdom-minded. You might be even asking yourself, what, what does that mean? What does it mean to think kingdom-mindedly? Let me give you an example. You are familiar with the story of Elisha and his servant and being encircled by the enemy and the servant wakes up in the morning and he opens up the tent and he looks out and he sees the army all around him. He's like, we're doomed. That's normalcy thinking. What I see translates into me drawing a conclusion. I see an enemy. I see no way of escape. We're doomed. Close the tent, back up, wake up the prophet, say, we're in big trouble. That's normalcy of thinking. So Elisha opens, sees the enemy all around, but that's not all he sees. He says, God, will you open the eyes of my servant that he might see? Those that are against us are not as great as those that are with us. Those that are with us are greater than those that are against us. And the eyes of his servant were opened, and he saw angels upon chariots of fire. Now that's different. That's kingdom. The kingdom of God. How many of us would like to have our eyes opened and see a little bit into the supernatural and see some angels and see some chariots of fire. And I'm not suggesting to you today that that is what will happen, but I am suggesting to you today that we can think differently with eyes of faith. With eyes of faith. One of my favorite scriptures in the Bible is Romans chapter one and verse 20. I like it because I have a certain science kind of bend and I think it unravels some very amazing realities. But it says, the invisible being clearly seen and understood. <laughs> Put the brakes on. The invisible clearly seen that almost sounds oxymoronic. Invisible, clearly seen. I would like to invite all of us to that realm of faith, that we would see the invisible. We would see God attributes. We would see the supernatural where God is moving, and God is working. So let's come to chapter 5. 
in Exodus. It says this, Afterward, Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh. I'd just like to stop there for a moment. They didn't ask. They told him. I want to encourage you in your faith to be bold. To be bold. When God commands, we go. And we bold. We are bold. Let's be bold. Afterward, Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, thus says the Lord God of Israel, let my people go, that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. And Pharaoh said, who is the Lord that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, nor will I let Israel go. So they said, the God of the Hebrews has met with us. Please let us go three days' journey into the desert and sacrifice to the Lord our God, lest he fall upon us with pestilence or with the sword. Then the king of Egypt said to them, Moses and Aaron, why do you take the people from their work? Get back to your labor. And Pharaoh said, look, the people of the land are many now, and you make them rest from their labor. So the same day Pharaoh commanded the taskmasters of the people and their officers saying, you shall no longer give the people straw to make brick as before. Let them go and gather straw for themselves, and you shall lay on them the quota of the bricks which they made before. You shall not reduce it, for they are idle. Therefore, they cry out, saying, Let us go and sacrifice to our God. Let more work be laid on the, the men, and let the, uh, that they may labor in it, and let them not regard false words. And the taskmasters of the people and their officers went out and spoke to the people, saying, Thus says Pharaoh, I will not give you straw. Go, get yourself straw where you can find it, yet none of your work will be reduced. So the people were scattered abroad throughout all the land of Egypt to gather stubble instead of straw. Then the taskmasters forced them to hurry, saying, Fulfill your work, your daily quota, as when there was straw. Also the officers of the children of Israel, whom Pharaoh's taskmasters had set over them, were beaten and were asked, why have you not fulfilled your task in making brick both yesterday and today as before? Then the officers of the children came and cried out to Pharaoh, saying, why are you dealing, with, why are you dealing thus with your servants? There is no straw given to your servants, and they say to us, make brick. And indeed, your servants are beaten, but the fault is in, our, is in your own people. But he said, you are idle, idle. Therefore, you say, let us go and sacrifice to the Lord. Therefore, go now and work, for no straw shall be given you, yet you shall deliver the quota of bricks. And the officers of the children of Israel saw that they were in trouble, at, uh, in trouble after it was said, you shall not reduce any bricks from your daily quota. Then they came out from Pharaoh and met Moses and Aaron, who stood there to meet them. And they said to them, 
Let the Lord look on you and judge because you have made us abhorrent in the sight of Pharaoh and in the sight of his servants to put a sword in their hand to kill us. So Moses returned to the Lord and said, Lord, why have you brought trouble to, on this people? Why is it you have sent me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done evil to this people. Neither have you delivered your people at all. Let's pray. Father, in the next few moments, as we consider this narrative of the first encounter of Moses and Aaron with Pharaoh and what has transpired as a result, Lord, will you help us to gain understanding, to glean, to be admonished, and Lord, to take to heart and grow as a result, Father. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. And everyone said a strong amen. 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 Well, we'll come to the sermon in just a moment. I, I would like to also reference in that change of thinking and change of perspective and how we might think more kingdom-mindedly. Remember Peter and the other disciples were in a boat and there was a bit of a storm and they saw Jesus walking on the water and they were terrified thinking they had and were seeing a ghost. Again, what the natural eye equates. Imagine for a moment yourself on the boat and you're out of the water. You're seasoned fisher. You're seasoned. And you see through the storm and the fog and the wind and the waves and the mist that would be in the air a figure walking on the water. You may not even be able to discern that he's walking on the water, but you see someone coming toward the boat. That would be very unsettling because you're deep. I think sometimes we don't wrap ourselves around it because we're familiar with the story. Seeing the impossible is very alarming. Very alarming. They were alarmed. Jesus, is that you? It is I. <laughs> Peter speaks up. Bid me to come. And he says, come. Then the next few moments, you, you imagine Andrew... What, what are you doing? You imagine Thomas? <laughs> there goes a sinker. <laughs> Peter got out, and he's standing on water. That's kingdom of God kind of stuff. The principles of this world in reality, do not apply to us. And I'm not going to take another step. 
lest I fall. But it's different thinking. The kingdom of God will last forever. This world is temporal. It's temporal. Kingdom thinking is eternal thinking. Jesus said, store up treasures for yourself in heaven. That's a different kind of economy than this world's economy, isn't it? Right? He who dies with the most toys still dies. <laughs> this economy is temporal. To be kingdom-minded is different. And if we think different, we'll act different. Walk by faith, not by sight. Walk by faith, not by sight. We could probably think of many different stories. You get to the end of Hebrews, chapter 11. It says, after this magnanimous chapter of heroes of the faith, says the world was not worthy of them. That just, it rings. These guys began to think and see and believe different, different. Lord, help us to break that mold of our former ways. Well, let's look at three reminders in the journey of faith in the kingdom of God in relationship to our text today. The first is you cannot listen to the voice of your adversary. You can't listen to the voice of our adversary. Our adversary, the devil, is roaming around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. The scripture tells us that he has come but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. When he speaks, he speaks his native language. He is a liar. He is the father of lies. He has been lying, and when he opens his mouth, he's lying. He'll give a half-truth, but a half-truth is a whole lie. The Pharaoh said, who is the Lord that I should obey him? Questioning God. Now you and I can remember when we were in the book of Genesis, when we could go back to Genesis, the third chapter, that's the same story. Did God really say that? Questioning God. Paul, writing to the church in Corinth, reminds them that the serpent who deceived Eve in the garden is crafty. He says, oh, I fear that you have been deceived even as Eve was deceived in the garden by the craftiness. He was talking in relation to the simplicity of salvation in Christ. But buying in hook, line, and sinker, the craftiness 
the whispers of our adversary is still saying the same to you and I. Who is the Lord that you should obey him? We read the word of God and we somehow quantify and qualify which truths apply to us, which principles apply to us, and we oftentimes will take our own interpretation that will fit within my model of thinking. No, no. We must take the word of God as the word of God and obey. His voice, our adversary, always questions. Be reminded, he's roaming and he's seeking to devour. If you're open, you will become subject to his devouring. And he will chew you up and he will spit you out. He's a liar and he will whisper lies that challenge the word of God. You say, well, can you give me an example? Sure, I could give you a number of examples. Simple things, simple things. It could, it could be the simplicity of winning an argument with your spouse. That somehow winning is more important. Being right is more important. Be careful, be careful, right? Love trumps all. Love covers what? A multitude of sin. Being right is not always the most important thing. And every wife said amen. <laughs> and every husband said, guy. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. And there are bigger issues. There are more important issues than winning an argument that are at stake. Divorce. God hates divorce. Do not be deceived. God hates it. The people complain, they say, well, hey, you gave Moses a certificate of divorce to give to the people. I said, whoa, just a minute. Not so from the beginning. What God has brought together, let no man put asunder. It was only given because of the hardness of heart. Anybody here want that as your epitaph on your tombstone? Here lies Dave Morris. Hardness of heart. It's not where I want to be. Does that make sense? What God says in his word is important, and it matters. When the scripture says flee youthful lusts, it doesn't mean play games with God. The enemy, your adversary, who's questioning all the time the word of God, will challenge that. He'll whisper little things. That's okay. It's okay. 
Let's be careful. Does that make sense? It's different thinking. And it's not bondage like it's some rule. Because he wants you to think that way. It's not that way. The kingdom of God is not rules. Don't touch this. Don't do this. Don't do that. It's not about rules. You can have righteousness without holiness. Paul was certainly there. Others have been there. The kingdom of God, it's different kinds. I, I choose not to sin because I want to honor the Lord. I want to worship God in my living. And I actually... I'm discovering, and hopefully you're discovering too, and I'm not there yet, but I'm discovering that I actually love worshiping the Lord more than I love sin. The problem is I still have a love for sin. Oh, I would, that Jesus would change my heart completely, and he's working. That's the process of sanctification, that I would begin to hate sin. Now, there's a process that's happening here with the children of Israel. Do you think that God could have delivered them like that in one day, in one minute? Absolutely, but there was a process. Do you think that the children of Israel were learning to hate their taskmasters, so to speak? I hate the bondage. I hate Egypt. You imagine, it's, it's so hard for us to grasp. This is all they've known. This is it. Bricks, day in and day out. Bricks, bricks, bricks. Quota, quota, brick. <laughs> How many bricks did you make today? I made my quota. How many did you make? I made my quota. Hey, high five. We made our bricks. Straw, bricks, straw, bricks, straw, bricks. Do, 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 do. This is it. What do you think the Israelites were thinking about Egypt? It'd be like you driving down the freeway and seeing the lotto sign that says $65 million and you thinking to yourself, oh, what I could do with 65 million bucks. They were probably just like you and I. They were thinking about what that would be like. Oh, what if I was in Pharaoh's house? What if I was king? The enemy wants us to think that way. And that the kingdom of God is rules. It's not. The kingdom of God is liberty. It's freedom from bondage. Okay, so first reminder. Let's not listen to the lies of our adversary. Can't listen to the voice. Can't listen to the voice of the enemy. We want to listen to the truth contained in God's word. Secondly, we cannot serve two masters. Jesus said this, it's recorded for us in Matthew chapter 6 and Luke chapter 13. We cannot serve two masters. And there's an interesting transition because the Israelites, all they've known is slavery and all they've known is bondage. I would like slavery to, they're slave to the master, the one whom they are serving or the one they are slave to, that is their master. The New Testament principle there for you and I, the one whom you yield your members to, to that one you are slave. Slave to the master. And bond servant 
mentality. The question is, what kingdom will you serve? Will you serve the kingdom of this world or the kingdoms of this world or the kingdom of God? To which one will you serve? To which will you be the bond servant to? Will you be a bond servant? This physical body is designed for this physical universe. But there's a spirit that is within each one of us and to those who are born again, our citizenship is no longer here. Our citizenship is in heaven. Will I be a bondservant to the flesh and serve my flesh or will I be a bondservant to the spirit of God, if you will, Christ's spirit? To God. One's reprobate, one's reborn. Pharaoh or God? Pharaoh wants you and I in slavery and bondage. God, on the other hand, wants us in freedom and liberty. Come on. That's exciting. Pharaoh is cruel. God is good. Pharaoh demands obeisance. Worship me. I'm king. I'm God to you. God commands obedience. And when I say commands, he doesn't say, Jason, you must obey me. His very character commands obedience. It's different. Does that make sense? He is love, and it's so compelling. It's, it's a, it's a I, I will, yes, amen, I'm in. He commands my obedience. It's interesting, to the children of Israel, deliverance sounded very good at first. They're like, the God of our fathers has visited us. We're going to be delivered. Hallelujah. They bowed down and worshiped. Then when the going got tough, they're like, what? You, what? Why would you make us reprobate in the eyes of Pharaoh? Let God judge you. That's the disposition of the children of Israel who were just over here a few hours ago. Oh, hallelujah, man, we're going to be free. Here's the thing. I, in my mind, I think that they're thinking that what they're going to get is a three-day break to go worship God or maybe a week break so they can go worship God, stop making bricks, but eventually we're going to have to get back and make bricks. They don't realize that their deliverance is for good. They don't realize it. It's a mentality. Your salvation and my salvation, hey, it is finished. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. Come on. We've been grafted in. You've been adopted. If your faith today is in Jesus Christ, you bear his name. You're a child of God. 
We're going to be in heaven together with him for eternity. That'll make you dance. Some of you, you might do this. This is my dancing. <laughs> Others, you're going to get moving. I mean, this is exciting. We're children of God. I would that God would help us to realize this is for keeps. The kingdom. Do you know, this is amazing. Now, now hear me out, because I, I, hopefully you're here this morning as, as a follower of Christ, and you're, you are desirous to be well-pleasing to the Lord, and you're trying. You're like, I want to please God. I want to do things for the Lord. Jesus' first words, you can read about it in Matthew chapter 4. He came to fulfill, he came to the area of Zebulun and Naphtali to fulfill that which was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. They'd seen a great light, those living in darkness. And he began to preach, and he said, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent. Can I say to every one of us here today, if you got stuff going on and you're living with the wrong mindset and you've been listening to the lies of the evil one and you've been being subservient both to your flesh and to the kingdoms of this world and even in your thinking mentally that you're all, all your thinking has been categorically kind of kingdom of this world. Can I suggest to you today? No. Can I tell you today? Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is at hand. Jesus Christ is coming soon. He is coming. Jesus is coming. Oh, that we would be found. Jesus said, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Can we say yes? Oh, Lord, let it be us. He's coming let us be about the kingdom of God and the things of the Lord. It's different. Does that make sense? In my mind. Okay, so here's, forgive the carnality. Uh, the movie, The Matrix. It is what it is. Neo who's going to be the one, he can't get his brain out of the matrix dimension and the rules of the matrix. It does not comprehend him. And in so many ways, it's like someone saying to you and I, we need to be more kingdom-minded. We're like, okay. But we're not even fully sure what that means. But there's a scene in the movie, Neil's physically gets shot and dies. But he realized, I'm not dead. And he gets back up, and in the Matrix, these little programs are like, this can't be, what's happening here? And they pull out their weapons and they start shooting, and Neil says, he just says no. And he puts his hand up like this, and all the bullets stop. 
And then he takes one of the bullets and he looks at it. And he drops it and falls to the ground. And then he just goes like this. And they all, boop, 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 all the, I mean, there's like 100 bullets there. And they all just drop to the ground. And it's like all of a sudden he realized these rules don't apply to me. The jurisdiction of the law of sin and death has no power over us. Come on. We are sons and daughters of the king. Now, does that mean that it's all going to be lucky charms and sugar milk at the end of the bowl? No. He didn't say it was going to be. He said, in this world, you will have trouble. But hey, these afflictions, they're temporary. Not to be compared with the things that are before us. Remember Jesus when he gave the parable of the sower. He identified four types of soil. The wayside soil. The seed that is scattered on the wayside soil, the birds of the air come, snatch it up. He says, Satan comes and takes the seed that was planted in their heart and just pulls it right out. Then he talked about the rocky soil. They receive it with joy and spring up. But because there's no depth of root, when persecution and tribulation come, they stumble. Persecution and tribulation are part of the kingdom of God. Jesus suffered persecution and tribulation. If our master suffered persecution and tribulation, no servant is greater than his master. Guess what we will face? Persecution and tribulation. It calls for every one of us to have depth of root. We must dig deeper. We must saturate ourselves in the word of God so that we can receive nutrients, so that we can stand against the persecution, and the tribulation that's going to come. Then he described the thorny soil. Honestly, it's the scariest heart condition that I can think of. The cares of this world the deceitfulness of riches, and the desire for other things. All three of which are kingdoms of this world thinking. Lord, help us to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. To get out of the slave and bond mentality. This is for eternity. Praise be to God. It's not like, 
well, I'm going to go out into the wilderness for three days and I'm going to worship and sacrifice to God. Then I'm going to come back and I'm going to just start making bricks again. No, God says, deliverance, freedom, no longer under the jurisdiction. Let's not go there again. Let's not go back to Egypt. Let's not turn our heads. Listen, he says, I will deliver you from Egypt and I will deliver Egypt from you. He wants to pull Egypt out of us. That's that whole thinking. It was better for us when we were back in Egypt. Blah, 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 blah. No, it was not. I don't care if you don't even have meat or water to drink. You're free from bondage. Praise be to God. Liberty. I really appreciate the fourth kind of soil. Can I get an amen? amen. Cultivated. Amen. Ready to receive the implanted word of God. That when it germinates, it brings forth a seedling, then a sapling, then a young oak, and then a mature oak. It's a life cycle. Oh, God. Help me get the soil of my heart ready. How's your heart soil today? Are you ready to receive the implanted word of God? Are you ready for God's transformative work so that our thinking can be different? Oh, that it would be different. That we would look at people different. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe should not perish but have everlasting life. We hold the seeds of life. Let's be about the kingdom. The kingdom of God, Jesus said, he has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey. Man, when they see Jesus in you and I, they're like, I must have the Lord. Comes from that living word and Christ in us, the hope of glory. First John, John gave us the gospel of John. The book of Revelation, first, second, and third John wrote these words. He said, do not love the world or the things of the world. This is the beloved disciple after many years of leading in the church. He said, do not love this world or the things of this world. When I was here, I had a love for the world and the things of the world. It was about the kingdoms of this world. Look out for number one. I want to have a good job, make a lot of money, all the kind of stuff. I want to have a big bank account. I want to be able to go on big vacations and blah, 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 blah. And it's not necessarily wrong. But it, that, that, was, that was it. I mean, it was, that, that was it. born again 
do we believe? Do we believe? I'm going to talk about money for a minute, okay? Everybody, everybody okay with me talking about money? Okay, because if you're not, it's okay. I'm going to talk about money anyway. <laughs> and the reason I'm going to talk about money is it's common ground for everybody in this room. Because everybody's involved in commerce. Do we believe what God said about our finances? Do we believe it? He said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. That pops some bubbles. Tithing, giving, kingdom, tithing. Well, that's an Old Testament thing. <laughs> it's even older than the law, right? Abram practiced tithing. It was before the law. It's in the law, and it's Jesus even affirmed it. He says, you tithe of the mint, the anise, and the cumin. He says, and you do well. He said, but you've neglected the more weightier matters of the law, love and justice and mercy. Everybody understand what tithing is? Just nod your heads. Yes. yes. That's 10%. 10% of your income. Do we believe, God? The tithe belongs to the Lord? That's different thinking, isn't it? Man, we have to wrap ourselves around that. That means if you're here and you make $30,000 a year, you do the math. $3,000 goes to the Lord. It belongs to him. And if you're keeping it, it means you're robbing God. Right? How did this sermon turn to tithing? <laughs> Some of you are like, man, <laughs> kidding. I, what I am saying is, it matters. It matters. You see, the enemy, remember, he wants us to say, well, who is God that I should obey him? Why is he an authority in my life? It, it's not the Lord over us. He's saying, look, I'll liberate you from the kingdom of this world thinking. And here's how I'll do it. It's going to cost you a little bit. But when you do it, you'll find the joy and you'll realize that I can do more with 90 than you can do with 100. And he will. My wife and I can testify to it. The kingdom of God is different. Okay. Do not love this world or the things of this world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of this world. And the world is passing away. I love that God wants in our economy of things that if we would give to God, we would be being rich toward God, that we would be storing up treasures for ourselves in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy. Talk about a great retirement plan. Hallelujah. Man, that's, that's way better than what whatever fund management system you might use. This world is passing away and the lust therein. 
but he who does the will of God abides forever. Okay, final point, and we'll be done. It'll be quick. You cannot build that which endures on sand. You can't do it. You can't build on sand. Note, if you will, uh, let, me, let me say this. Build your life on faith. Build your life on faith and God's actual words. Moses, he spoke the words that God gave him to speak. And he didn't see immediate results. Anybody feel like here, you're like, man, I'm doing the way God, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing and it's just not working. Raise your hand, just quick. I feel like I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. I feel like I'm living what God wants me to do. I feel like I'm doing all this and it's just not working because I'm still facing all kinds of havoc. It's terrible. Stuff. Moses did what was right. He obeyed. And when it wasn't working out, he boldly approached the throne. He said, hey, this is not working. Why did you send me to this people? And you haven't even delivered them yet. God is okay with your boldness before the throne. He said, boldly approach the throne of grace. And if you have some complaints, would you please take them to God and not to somebody else in this world? You see where the children of Israel went? They went straight to Pharaoh. They went to Pharaoh with their complaint. They did not go to God. They did not go to Moses. They went to Pharaoh. Sometimes when we're under all kinds of assault, we feel like we're doing things right, where do we normally turn? We go to someone in this. Sometimes we go to people who aren't even part of God's kingdom and we complain about our circumstances as if somehow they or the one whom they are serving can do anything about it. Oh, that we would take it to God minimally, that we would take it to God's people and that we would, as God's people, we'd say, let's take it to the Lord. And see what God says. See what God will do about it. <coughs> it's almost as if Moses wanted the quick fix. And God had already told Moses, I'm going to harden Pharaoh's heart. And I know we struggle with that scripture Verse 21, and just, just know that there are two words for hardened in the Hebrew language. When it said that Pharaoh hardened his heart, it means Pharaoh hardened his heart. When it says God hardened Pharaoh's heart, it means God fixed Pharaoh in his thinking. I would use the example of concrete. Pharaoh had all of the materials to make concrete minus one ingredient. He had the sand, he had the aggregate, he had the water, and he had the necessary pieces, but he was missing Portland cement. <laughs> he had all the stuff, and it was all hard. Rock is hard. He had the condition of hardness. God gave him the opportunity, which was the Portland cement. He said, hey, Israel's my son. You release my son to worship me. And Pharaoh's all, wait, no, Israel is my son. He'll worship me. 
opportunity for Portland Cement. God fixed him in his thinking. He strengthened him in his thought. Does that make sense? And it became solidified, hard as concrete, rock. Moses had forgotten what God had said. I'm going to harden his heart. I'm not going to let you go. I'll step in. And I'll do a magnanimous thing. And you will be released. And they'll send you with the goods of Egypt. We cannot build anything that will last or endure if we build on sand. Don't build on wishful thinking. Don't build on your own imaginations. Don't build on someone else's. Build on what the word of God says. Build on God's word. It'll be the difference in your life. It'll be the difference in my life. We cannot forget his word. We cannot forget his promises. Beautiful hymn. Listen to these words. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. When darkness veils his lovely face, face, I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. Are your circumstances today hiding his face? Will you fix your anchor in the veil? His oath, his covenant, his blood, Support me in the overwhelming flood when all around my soul gives way. He then is all my hope and stay. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. When he shall come with trumpet sound, oh, may I then be in him found, dressed in his righteousness alone, faultless to stand before the throne. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. I invite you to stand with me this morning. 2018 is before us. 2017 is behind us. No matter what 2017 has brought for you, let's have our minds renewed in 2018. Let's think more kingdomly, that we would be more kingdom-minded in how we approach our very week, our very day, that we would arise early, as the psalmist said, early in the morning, I will rise up and seek thee. Let's seek the Lord while he may be found and call upon him while he is near. When the enemy whispers lies into our ears, let's shut him down quickly. Like Neil, let's put the stop and say no. Take that lying bullet, throw it on the ground, 
and then charge right at him. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not of this world. For they are mighty through God, pulling down strongholds, casting down vain imaginations, every high thing that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, that we would demolish the arguments. Mighty through God. And let's walk by faith, not by sight. Though invisible, seeing clearly. Seeing God and believing for the miraculous. Can I get an amen? Amen. amen. I hope this has been encouraging to you. I know that in my own heart and mind, God has renewed just the sense that he is with us and he is moving on our behalf. Even when we cannot see, God is working and he's working good. Father, this morning, thank you that you love us. You love us. Lord, will you help us to get out of this, oh, slave mentalities, wherever they may be in our lives, that somehow I have to do what my body says or I have to submit to this or I have to... Lord, we submit ourselves to your lordship. Hallelujah. And you will work good and you will empower us. Your word says, behold, I have given you authority to trample upon snakes and scorpions and all of the power of the evil one. Nothing shall harm you. Come on, God. Help us to be there, to think kingdomly more and more each day for your glory and for your namesake. Father, if there's anyone here today who is not born again, they've not given their heart to Jesus, they've not asked for the lordship of Christ in their lives, with eyes closed and heads bowed, if you're here this morning and you'd say, I need Jesus, I realize today I stand condemned in my sin, and I want to have my sin cleansed from me. I want to be born again. I want Christ to, to be the Lord of my life, to have my name written in heaven and know that the law of sin and death has no jurisdiction over me. If you're here today and you would like to be born again, the Bible says if we confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord and we believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, we shall be saved. If that's you and you would like to make public declaration, I'm putting my faith in Jesus, you could indicate that simply by raising your hand right where you are. Say, that's me. Remember me today when you close this prayer. Is there anyone here who'd say, yes, I want to be born again and receive Jesus? I'm gonna just look real quick. I see that hand and I see that hand. God bless you too. You can put those hands down. Praise the Lord. Anybody else, you'd say, yes, I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life. I see that one. Come on, that was epic. Father, I see this one. Father, four hands this morning, some rededicating, some committing, some saying yes, just validating, yes, Jesus is Lord. Let's say that together. Jesus is Lord. Jesus, you are Lord. And we declare that. We confess we're sinners. We need you. For those of us who've walked with you for many years, but we're, our thinking has still been about the kingdoms of this world, God, will you transform, renew our hearts and our minds? This week of prayer, the recommitment of spending time in your word on a daily basis, God, as we do all those things, will you renew our hearts and minds that we would be more kingdom-minded, 
And so, Father, for those who said yes to Jesus, we confess our sin. We're sinners. We receive the grace of God. We say, Jesus, come into our lives. Be the Lord of our lives. We confess Jesus. Jesus is Lord. And we believe, God, you raised Christ from the dead. And we give you thanks this day. And as we're closing in prayer, God, will you go before us, make rough places smooth. For those four that raised their hands, I would invite them to come to the front so we can chat for just a moment. Lord, will you be glorified? Go before us now, we ask in Jesus' name. And everyone said a strong amen. Amen. Go in the grace and power of our Lord and Savior. Those four who raised their hand, if you'd make your way to the front real quick, that would be really helpful. God bless you. Have a great week in Jesus.